Today is Friday, September 7th, and football is back, folks, and there's no better place to trust your money than with MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get tips, picks, as well as data-driven editorial content from the supercomputer that you cannot find anywhere else. And lastly, we are brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only app that delivers all the information at the palm of your hand to outsmart Vegas. Go to BetQL.co to download the app today. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. And with football here, there's only one thing to do, and that's talk NFL Week One. And everyone kind of says that their niche and, and football is is their their sweet spot and everything like that. And to be honest, within the, within the pick selling community and people who give out content, football is the the biggest driving force between you know people who put out picks and everything like that. And so it's hard to know who's really you know whose NFL is really their specialty. And so for week one, I wanted somebody who truly is their specialty uh, within handicapping. Um, you guys have heard him on the regular sports gaming podcast show with Ryan and Sean, and that's Spread Investor of SpreadInvestor.com. Always find him on Twitter at Spread Investor. Uh, he's been doing a lot of great things in the space. Again, I mean, he did some work for Barstool Sports. He's been on VEASAN, uh, Odd Shark, as well as various other podcasts uh, throughout the space in the NFL. And he's really his... Uh, his main um, niche in the sports gambling world is the National Football League. So there was nobody better to break down what I feel is the hardest week of the whole year, and that is the NFL Week 1. I hope you guys enjoy it. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, you heard him on the SGP show with Ryan and uh, Sean, our man, Spread Investor. And we met out in Vegas at the Odd Shark 10th anniversary party. It's something of a, a pretty crazy weekend, man. And you've been kind of um, all over the place betting, you know, be, uh, putting out betting content lately, um, kind of blowing up, bro. So I want to kind of give the opportunity to um, plug everything that you have been going on in the space. Again, has been doing work with a uh, sponsor of the show, Odd Shark, as well as being seen on Visa. And you did some stuff with Barstool out there, um, as well as the creator of the new website, uh, spreadinvestor.com. As you can always find him on Twitter at spreadinvestor. Again, worked in various uh, friends of the podcast, including uh, my boy Whale Capper. Again, doing stuff with Odd Shark as well as Vsin. Um, so I want to kind of break into uh, your introduction and all that type of stuff. But you have on that website, you have one of the most in-depth NFL betting guides. Um, that I've really come across in a long time. Um, and I want to kind of get your take on kind of the work that goes into that. Cause I know it can't be easy as well as kind of your introduction into sports handicapping as a kind of a place to start, particularly, I know you specialize in the NFL. Well, Christian, I appreciate it. First off, th this week is a uh, very different mood than when we met up out in, in Vegas with, uh, all business now, okay. anniversary and I sludge in the middle of a party. So it's, it's a little bit more hectic this week than, than a month ago. Yeah, man, it's one of those things, right? Like people think this is uh, you just you sit around and watch TV for a living, and and in theory, yeah, that is a big part of it. But we, when you can kind of flip that switch and look at it as a business, it'll be run as a business. So it's a very you know being a professional in in betting uh, NFL like this is it's a weird thing to kind of explain to somebody of you know that you have to sit there and watch twelve hours of football and everything like that. Um, but oh, no doubt. And I think the hard the hardest part is keeping up with. The, the news that constantly keeps coming in because you have no set schedule or alert and when a breaking news like something like Le'Veon Bell right now pops up you don't know when that's going to happen so as much as you set a routine of when you're going to look at film or when you're going to look at stats and trends on the back end 
you have no idea if, if big news coming at 10 a.m., at 4 p.m., so you always got to be ready. It's not like the stock market where where even the day ends at, at yeah, 4 o'clock. It's, it's 24-7. Yeah, exactly, man. It really is. So tell me about this betting guide. Cause again, one of the most kind of in-depth things I've seen out there in terms of, I mean, every team ATS stats, it's kind of your one-stop shop for uh, NFL betting throughout the season. Yeah, I, I put this together. It took me a couple of weeks to put this together. It's essentially all relevant stats, trends, analysis from me personally rewatching games Cliff notes of what beat reporters are saying locally about each NFL team. I mixed in different betting strategies for bankroll management, for different ways to get ready for the week, and all different nuggets that should help the average better and sharp betters tackle September in the NFL and roll into October profiting more likely than not. And if, when you do read it, it's, it's shorter than most betting guides because I wanted people to be able to read it fairly quickly and go back and forth to it throughout the season. Um, in the 25 pages, you'll circle about 15 games off the bat in the first half of the season where you say, okay, I like this situation because this team is playing an opponent that's on a short week on back-to-back road games. So when you navigate through it, it's it's really, really helpful to start the season. Yeah, man. And anytime that you can get kind of one-stop shopping, I think it's it's absolutely invaluable. And again, um, low, low price, $20 on the on, uh, spreadinvestor.com. So the reason, um, I'll say the reason, but the reason I chose you to have you on for NFL week one, uh, kind of a, you know, NFL week one to me is sort of the hardest week to handicap. And I think that somebody who specializes in NFL, I mean, every kind of tout handicap or, or anyone who provides picks or whatever the case may be, because of the demand of NFL, they're going to kind of always say it, it's it's their bread and butter. It's their best sport. Um, and that may not always be the case. It's just kind of, you know, some of it's marketing. Some of people are, you know, do very well in NFL. But um, to me, NFL, along with NBA, I know you're big on, but NFL is really, you know, where your niche lies. Um, so for week one, the hardest week I chose you for it, man. And so Again, this this kind of NFL portion, uh, NFL season of the Inside Vegas podcast, we're going to do the picks, so so don't don't freak out, guys. But I want to dig into kind of the why and different handicapping techniques and tactics and kind of how uh, you arrive at the decisions that you do. Um, so I kind of want to break into kind of again. Let's start with your introduction, kind of how you broke into uh, NFL betting, um, and then we'll dig into kind of how you know what your handicapping style is um, and kind of how it applies and both the pros and cons of both. So, what was um, kind of your introduction? into sports gambling and kind of how long have you been in the realm again i know i plugged it at the top but you're doing some incredible stuff uh, in the space on some major media outlets so i kind of want to um just dig into that a little bit yeah well i appreciate the introduction i started betting in high school i was 16 and i grew up in brooklyn so a lot of easy access as you can imagine to placing a bet and high school i grew up right around the time Two for the money came out, so you put the two together. I really got, got interested <laughs> in it. It's crazy to say, but that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the reality of it. Um, and yeah, you know, I started out fifty bucks, hundred bucks a game in in high school, and then the next summer ordering Doc's Sports Service betting guide. And I remember it in August, just me and and one of my good friends sitting down reading through all the trends and, and the analysis and 
we knew it was a legitimate thing that you could gain an edge and it's not just a gamble. So once September rolled around, we started hot in the first two, three weeks of the season. And, you know, there's definitely things that, that you learn early in the game as, as the season goes along because it is 17 weeks and, and there's definitely ups and downs, but you start, you know, I started figuring out different angles to look for and, and then I would buy handicappers picks. Uh, I used to buy from sports advisors all the time, Brandon Lang, Jeff Benton. And <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, but their analysis, their analysis was, was on point. I, I've gotten to the point where I can't listen to them anymore. I, you know, they still exist. And, and Brandon Lang, you know, he's, he's on way Sirius too radio with now, the right? Sells. What's that? He's on Sirius now, right? I don't even, I don't know. I mean, I, I respect his game. As much as anybody, he handicaps like he's he's on point. Uh, he's just you know he's loud and you know he's screaming every time I watch his videos. It's insane. Um, but that's that's really how I got into it. And I, I was you know fast forward. I I was at a job that I didn't see as a career in, in my early twenties and. I wanted to get out. I was I was in sales and marketing, and I, I was always just handicapping on the side. And long story short, I started the website four years ago, and this little rinky-dink website, I was handicapping for about 25, 30 of my friends at that point. I started promoting it within my network and um, built it up now to a point where I'm bringing on other handicappers and, and fortunately, you know, have a pretty solid track record. That's so awesome, man. And and you brought up kind of the old school way of selling picks, right? And I want to talk about this because I think it's, again, the whole mission of kind of Inside Vegas to look at, you know, people in, in Inside Vegas, for lack of a better term, as well as how social media has kind of changed um, the handicapping and gambling industry. Number one, I feel like as if the general public, you know, the number one rule you learn at handicapping school is what? Fade the public. Um, at this point, I feel like maybe the public is is kind of more well-informed than ever before. Um, there's just so much great content out there that anyone who kind of wants to get started, be it buying picks, being doing their own research, um, podcast is a huge part of that. Um, where do you, you know, what do you think the biggest difference is in kind of that old school, you know, sports advisors, um, Stu Finer, I know Stu Finer's doing some stuff with Barstool now, but again, um, I know he's kind of selling picks on, on his own now, but that's more of, of a comedy route. And, you know, for lack of a better term, I know you can respect Lang's picks all you want, but people kind of tune in to laugh at this point. Um, so with the inception of Twitter and people being able to kind of sell picks or, or give out free content and, and it's so easy, anyone in the world can make a podcast now. What do you see is kind of the biggest differences from where picks and where gambling was again with, you know, tying this all back into legalization and coming around. Um, but just kind of the differences in, in kind of, uh, you know, picks prov- being a picks provider and all that type of stuff now with social media versus what it was back then with, you know, a 1-800 number, the sports pages, all that type of stuff. Yeah, I think it's harder to hide now with Twitter and other social platforms, whereas 15, 20 years ago, you put up a website, there wasn't Twitter, there wasn't Instagram, there there wasn't anything where you could read legitimate comments and and tweets from followers. So you just had to trust what was being said on the website by these handicappers who clearly had a motivated interest to tout how good they were. Um, Twitter, Twitter is a world that you can't cheat. You can't lie to your followers. You can't, you know, you're going to get called out. You could block people as much as you want, but Twitter tells the truth. And I think if you could survive in that world, 
um, in terms of people trusting you and, and seeing your credibility, that's where people are gravitating more now as opposed to going to, you know, some old school website and, and buying picks for 75 bucks. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. It's a double-edged sword, right? <clears throat> because the vocal minority of people who want to just say anyone who sells picks is a scam uh, is, you know, it's a very, it's very live and well. So it's difficult to kind of, like you said, much like New York, you can make it on Twitter. You can make it anywhere, man. Um, but again, you're, you're never going to please anybody and people who have this, this thought process that if they buy picks or whatever it is that they're going to be, you know, get rich overnight. And it, it, you know, people have to realize that it's a long game and the differences between people I know that sell picks. Again, this is including myself is the difference that makes somebody, you know, legitimate as to not is one thing. And that's their you know, selling or giving the actual picks that they are making. They're not just creating a card that's being given out, um, you know, yep. to, to their clients uh, for that day and not investing, you know, in it with, you know, right alongside you. And it's one of those things where would you buy uh, a stock from a stockbroker if their money wasn't in it, you know, with you? And I know it's a little bit of a, a different, um, you know, world and stuff like that. And, you know, one of the golden rules of Wall Street is never use your own money. But I think that that, you know, is completely the opposite of what it should be in sports betting and sports investing. Um, so I think that it's one of those things that it's, it's totally, it's so much similar, but it's very different. The edge that we have over the stock market is number one, they, insider trading, this is the reason why I kind of got into this in a nutshell is insider trading is not only legal, but it's encouraged. And so for you, when you can kind of get that information out there and beat a book and beat a bookie, whatever the case may be, it's so, you know, it's so gratifying to, to, you know, yeah. to handicap a game the right way. Um, it's just, it, that's the biggest difference. And again, I know that, um, you subscribe to that as well as you do post, you know, pretty much every ticket, um, that you bet on out there. Um, we're going to get to kind of our consensus bet, best bet that we will, um, at the end when we break down NFL week one, um, and that bet is already placed up there as well. Um, so that to me is kind of the biggest difference. And again, you think that back in the eighties, nineties, early two thousands, that sports advisors or whoever was buying picks was, was betting that type of game, you know, that game that they gave you all by themselves as well. I would kind of venture to guess probably not. Um, so that's kind of the thing that, that I think separates really good guys from really bad ones. Um, so let's shift gears and go into kind of your handicapping style. Um, again, I know that you're kind of an NFL specialist. So what is kind of your thought process in your style of handicapping and breaking down games? Is it more algorithm? Is it numbers? Is it, you know, old school power rankings and you just trust the numbers? Um, or is it a little bit of anything and everything? It's a blend of what you see on film stats trends, and then baking in the situation that each teams are in matchups are obviously the first handicap you want to look at. Every game is different. You don't handicap any game the same exact way you look at each team's strength and weakness and you try to circle which teams can exploit their opponent's weaknesses the most is it a good pass rush going up against the weak offensive line if the team's weak in the secondary does their opponent have a strong pass game if that opponent doesn't have a strong pass game okay then this team can hide their weakness in the secondary so you're playing strength versus weakness a lot and then the trends you want to look at how these teams do in certain situations. How do they do uh, in back-to-back home games? How do they do after a win by more than ten points? Mm-hmm. Uh, try to look at history, and I'll go on covers and go back on the database for three, four, five years sometimes, and and look at how do these teams do in the last time they were in this situation? How big is the sample size? 
Okay, they're a home favorite of four points on Monday night. How have they done their last 10 Monday night football games? Were they favored in those games? So you're, you're trying to just use history. And then I rewatch NFL Game Pass a ton. You could watch a full game condensed down to about a half hour. And I'll try to just watch 15, 20 minutes of every game, try to get as much info as I can. And I think that's where I personally feel I could gain an edge because – I think a lot of people handicap using articles and information and opinions that they'll get from people who may be leaning on others' opinions that are just kind of circulating around the internet and around the public and not necessarily that person's looking at the film in depth firsthand. So I definitely respect a lot of sources that I read online and, and I network like crazy and I get opinions from others. But if I could see the film firsthand, and, and get that information in about 15, 20 minutes. Why, why the hell wouldn't I try to do that every week? Yeah. It's one of those things that there's more than one way to skin a cat. Right. And you know, uh, our friend oh, whale yeah. is completely, you know, model driven. And uh, the reason I wanted to kind of get the, the contrasting side of that is someone who is more film because truthfully, I don't think there's a lot of uh, you guys left that do it kind of based on feel and based off what you see and how to, how do you translate what your eyes are showing you to what the numbers say to what, um, you know, when things don't always see eye to eye kind of, you know, when the numbers say one thing, but your eyes say something different, that's where the model, the model guys kind of get in trouble because if you start, you know, if if your model says one thing and your eyes say a different or your gut says another thing, you have to make a decision. Are you going to trust the model or are you going to trust what, you know, what your eyes in are, are showing you? And when you start doing that, it defeats the purpose of the model. So you have to kind of blindly take that. Um, so the, the kind of reverse effect of that is somebody um, like yourself who just uses the film um, as well as, you know, trends and numbers. I want to talk to you about trends because I am a huge trends guy and a lot of people out there kind of throw them away and say that you could never recreate the same matchup twice. Um, trends are usually the teams are, are not the same teams that the trends apply to coaching is, you know, coaches turnover, um, whatever the case may be. Um, do you put, I know you touched on the fact that you kind of incorporate trends. Um, me, myself, I believe that trends, you have to have the balls to play them every single time. Matthew Stafford being whatever, six and 70 against teams that finished the year over 500 is very real stat to me. Uh, new coaches coming in on their first Thursday night game or first year coaches on their uh, Thursday night game off short rest has traditionally been, you know, a great fade spot. Um, primetime, uh, unders, you know, first half unders, stuff like that. Do you kind of put a lot of stock a little, or just kind of, you know, use it as a different tool for your handicapping? A lot. I think trends tell a, a big portion of the story and you hit the nail on the head. They are very relevant. You just have to filter out the garbage. You ha there's, a, there's a lot of shit that you have to go through before you can actually find a trend that, that you say, okay, this one actually makes sense. Um, there's a lot of ones that still unfortunately swirl around the internet the bear, you know, hypothetically, the Bears are three and nine against the spread. Their last twelve against the AFC West. Okay, I, I don't think that a out of conference specific division is really relevant. That database is probably dated back from three, four rosters ago. Um, but certain ones like the Steelers, as a road favorite of six points or more last year, were three and seven against the spread. That's telling because that says that they were overvalued in the market and they don't perform as well on the road. They averaged 21 points per game last year on the road versus 29 at home. So that where you could see correlation and a little bit more meaning tells a story. Um, 
road trends, very significant. Uh, how teams do traveling cross country, that's a relevant stat. And it's just a matter of being a little bit more open-minded to the, towards them and, and doing a lot of the digging to find the diamonds in the rough. Completely, man. And again, you hit the nail on the head when you said that some of them are very relevant and some of them are garbage. Nobody cares. You know, a, a Thursday game played above 60 degree, like it, some of them get crazy. And the, the biggest mistake that beginning bettors make when they start betting into trends is they see it once, like covers is famous for this. They post a trend once. Um, and so everyone kind of piles on it. It undoubtedly loses. Um, and people forget that the trend ever existed and they never played again. And it could go on to win six <laughs> straight, but they never forget that loss. Uh, and so it, again, you have to have the balls, especially, I know this is, um, we're going to talk NFL here, especially in baseball. Trends are so huge in baseball. If you can, uh, play them every single time. And again, I love the name spread investor because when you make this a long game and you invest in things, you know, in the sports market, like a stock market, you buy and sell long term. Um, but on the other side, situationally, that's where things can get kind of hairy. If one trend tells you one thing, um, but you, there's a situational spot, be, spot, be it back to back road games, back to back to back road games, short rest. What do you do and kind of how do you, you know, decide which one you put more stock into when one thing tells you, you know, one trend tells you that you should be on this side, uh, but situationally it's the opposite. I think you, you gotta look for red. When you look at the red flags and, and the pros and cons of a play, I just try to look to see how many of those cons stack up or how many pros stack up in a certain game. And, and the more red flags that pop out to me, that back a, a trend, that'll lead me to sway away from a game and, and be a little bit more hesitant on it. Yeah, it's completely, again, it's just be consistent and you'll be fine. And um, I think that when people jump around too much, um, that's kind of why I look at things more from a long perspective than kind of a situational handicapper. Again, I know Sean um, on the regular SGP show with Sean and Ryan is a huge kind of situational handicapper. Um, again, our friend Whale is the same thing with his model and situational spots uh, and all that type of stuff. Again, more than one way to skin a cat. It's just what works for you and, you know, figuring out, you know, different tools to put in your tool belt and use them. Um, I want to ask you something cause I, I kind of put this out there again. I, I kind of harp on this every single year and some people swear by it because of what I've said. And some people think I'm the dumbest person in the world. And I want to get your take on this. Um, I've come up with, I've kind of back tested this and then come up with a theory. Essentially the spread is dying in the NFL. And what I mean by that is if you go back, um, I originally wrote this up, um, with John Campbell on odd shark about two years ago. Basically, there is one and a half to two games is what the, basically comes out. So 85% of the time, when a favorite wins, they cover. Conversely, 81% of the time, when an underdog covers, they win outright. Uh, do you mm -hmm. think that is more of a short-term sample size? Because I've only tested it back and noticed it about three. This, this will be the third season, so two full seasons, um, so a little over two seasons. Um, do you think that that is my, my thought process on it, is there's not as much parity in the NFL as there once maybe used to be, and the bad teams are really bad, and the good teams are really uh, good. And so when you have a number, you know, the old-school power ranking guys, professionals, when they see a team at home getting, you know, a seven, seven and a half, they're going to always take that hook, even three and a half. Um, there's such, there's certain spots that maybe this can't, doesn't apply to the most, you know, traditionally, if you take a division, you know, the AFC North and you have, uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Cleveland and all these teams, 
Uh, if you take kind of blindly the three and a half point home dog, you're going to do very well in that. Um, but I think that for a large portion, this kind of has been something that I've been able to make a lot of money on just kind of, you know, having a key number, assigning a key number, be it three, seven, 10, 14 to that, to a matchup, uh, and seeing, you know, if it's below that key number, knowing that the spread is only going to come into account, maybe essentially twice per week. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Is kind of hate it. think it's uh, a good thing to kind of do, or what are your thoughts on that? I think it's completely valid. I, and I do think it's, if you go back, you'll see that the numbers will support it over a larger sample size. And it's funny you bring it up. Yesterday I was digging into uh, historically September numbers against the spread. And last year I found that in 64% of games in September, excuse me, in all the games in September last year, 64% of them finished more than a touchdown away from the the spread. Yep. So 64% of the teams covered the spread by a touchdown or more. And that tells you that even though you think the NFL is a sharp market, there are games that the spread is completely off. And I remember running numbers back. It was from the 2012 to 2014 season. And roughly 25% of games – of those three seasons finished away from the spread by double digits. So a quarter of games were finished uh, against the spread by 10 points or more over a three season sample size. And I just used that. I ha- I didn't run the numbers for 2015 or 16. Um, but I just used that to give me the mentality that the books aren't as close to the number in the NFL as you may think based off of everyone's opinions. And then, you know, it gives you, it gives you a little bit more confidence to, to bet some games. Exactly. And this is what I want to, where I want to tie this around to is in a market where everyone is so obsessed with getting the best of the number now. And again, long-term, I completely advocate that, but somebody that's sitting there saying, you know, there's a huge difference from a one and a half to a two, to a two and a half, you know, a four to a four and a half, you know, in these dead numbers, certainly key numbers are, are a very real thing especially around 3, 7, 10, 14. Uh, but to me, I mean, again, when I read this back, um, teams that win straight up when they cover, 91, 10, and 6, um, that's 90%. Favorites that cover or underdogs win straight up when they cover, 83%, 46, and 10. To me, it's just very real. And, and why do you think people are so conditioned still to say, you know what, at 2.5, I'm not going to take it, but if I got the 2 or you know 3, I, I don't want it, but at 2.5, knowing that the data shows – um, maybe it's not as important as it once was. Yeah, I, and this may sound crazy, but I think part of it why people will balk away from bets is psychologically. If they see a number moving in a direction, they may think, okay, maybe there's something that I don't know. Vegas is moving this number for a certain reason. Um, let, let me stay away from it. And I think I think every better at times is guilty of overthinking a bet and – talking themselves out. We're all guilty. I'm guilty of it in certain games. You you have a little bit too much information or you read into things that may not be as real as you perceive it to be. And and it draws you away. Yep. Completely agree. Completely, completely agree. And you know, the, the thought process of trap lines and what is this, this is too good to be true. I got to go on the other side. 
Exactly. And again, when we had um, the risk manager of CGT, Tom Drewell on, he, he said this over and over. It was the biggest question I wanted to ask him was the you know facade of trap lines. And he said the one thing, he said, number one, the only thing that will ever move a market is people and money. And people will move it way faster than money. Number two, the only, when a line looks off, the only reason that it looks off is they are taking into account, you know, again, Odds makers, I know a lot of this stuff is outsourced, but they're essentially handicappers, whether they're using a computer algorithm, whatever it is, their numbers are just accounting for something that you're not. Um, so, you know, whether it be a schedule spot, a, an injury, offensive line, maybe you're only looking at skill players, you know, it could be virtually anything and everything. Um, so trap lines just don't exist. Um, it's just that they're taking into account something that you're not. Um, and I just, I think that it's so important to kind of you know, back away and take a rest and just look at things from a different lens and, and try to see the other side. NBA is famous for this. You know, LeBron will be a two-point favorite on the road off back to back to back and nobody can figure out why or, or whatever the case may be. Um, how much kind of stock do you put into, you know, um, scheduling spots or, you know, the situational stuff along with trends in the film that you do? Huge. It's huge in the NFL. NFL, the practice schedule and the routine from Monday to Saturday is arguably the most important out of any major U.S. sport. These guys, they watch so much film, they prepare, they have to be laser-focused for the middle portion of the week. And that's something that you can't say about a lot of other sports where they kind of just have light practicing or they play so many games that they're just in a, in a, a routine of games. NFL is so much about the schemes. There's so many different position units. So situationally, if a team's tired, if they got back late from a Monday night football game or, you know, the, coming home from London, if they don't take the bye or, um, or if they play in London the next week and that's historically been a terrible spot teams that in the week before they, they play London, they're preparing to travel a lot longer. The, the staff is a little bit busier booking and preparing for a, a trip overseas as opposed to being focused necessarily on the film as much in the uh, upcoming week. So I think situations are huge and that I would say is probably a third of a, of a handicap. And, and in some games, the situation is worth a little bit more uh, depending on where a team is in the standings and, and where a team is travel wise. That's the thing, right? Is people forget that these players are humans, right? They, they have families, they have uh, schedules, they have, you know, you see these guys for four hours on a Sunday and think that they're just these robots that go out there and entertain you. They have lives. They not have, playing Madden. Yeah, they, they have children, right? There's, there's things that go into this to, you know, make a person psychologically strong or not. And when you can kind of get in, into that type of thing, you know, type of people or team's head, it can be a huge advantage. Um, so let's start uh, with kind of, I think that kind of wraps up the, the you know, thought process and styles of handicapping um, that you've been known for. Um, so let's kind of dig into this from a, uh, let's, I'm going to do just, you know, quote unquote futures with you, but anything that, you know, film has kind of taught you, uh, or shown you, uh, for teams that maybe you're higher or lower on, you know, in a broad spectrum, you can apply this to, you know, a Super Bowl run, a conference championship division, um, uh, season win total, whatever the case may be, um, for any teams that maybe, um, you're either high up on or very low on that maybe people are, are kind of, um, the other way on and the reasons why that, you know, based on the film and your kind of breakdowns have shown you. Watching the Colts pretty closely in the preseason told me that 
their offensive line and their run game is nowhere near where it needs to be for them to be competitive. I think there's a lot of hype around Andrew Luck, and I think it's clouding people's judgment of the team and and the film showed their tackles are both very weak on both sides. They had 35 rushes in their dress rehearsal game versus the 49ers and averaged 2.3 yards per carry. And their defense had holes on both, uh, you know, a couple different fronts. So that was something that stuck out. And, and I looked at under seven wins. There's plus VIG on that plus 115 or plus 120. I, I think it's a tough division. I like that under. Um, Cowboys were another team that stood out. Their defense, their front seven is really, really strong, especially when you take into account what people think of them right now. They don't think that there's much, but Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, Taco Charlton, Sean Lee, uh, Jalen Smith, there's a lot of really, really good talent on the front seven. So I think if the Cowboys could patch up the hole from Travis Frederick, their, their offensive lines in question, but their defense might be able to keep them in games that could, you know, be relative to the point spread. Yeah. Dallas is an interesting one. I think that Dallas may, you know, they have the, uh, I think that Dallas is going to be a huge under team all season. I think their pace of play is going to be very slow and that they know they have to Agreed. center their offense around running the ball. Uh, and they have to play defense. Um, you, you know, my my, it's no secret how I feel about Dak Prescott. I don't think he's long for this league, especially with the weapons that they or lack of weapons that they've put around him. Um, his number one target is probably going to be Cole Beasley and a rookie in Michael Gallup. Um, I just don't think they're putting him in a great you know situation, and his talent is is not that great. And you know, I've taken some heat for saying that. Um, I just to me, I don't think he's very long for this league. And I think he kind of walked into a situation with the best offensive line in football, meeting the best you know maybe top three uh, talent wise and Ezekiel Elliott. So I think in uh, unders are going to make, especially maybe in the first half market, a ton of sense for Dallas uh, all season. And again, going back to what you said, that's, that's what, you know, film ha- handicappers like yourself have the advantage on is, you know, setting themselves up for the whole season and, you know, playing, um, those type of numbers and those type of trends all year. Um, so let's dig into the NFL week one. Um, before we do that, as always, I still get asked questions daily on social media. What is the best book around? And to me, there's no other place that I would trust with my money. And that is mybookie.ag. After this interview with you, we have AG on coming up to talk about everything from college football week one, the biggest decisions for the house, as well as where the professionals are weighing in on NCAA week one or uh, week two, sorry, as well as the NFL week one, uh, any of the biggest decisions for the house on that, as well as professionals. And as always, mybookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We are also brought to you by Odd Shark. Get tips, picks, as well as data-driven editorial content you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Go to oddshark.com. Finally, we're brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only app you need to outsmart Vegas. Go to betql.co to download the app today. All right, bro. So let's talk about NFL Week 1. To me, NFL Week 1, I said at the top of the show, it's the hardest week because there's so many unknowns coming into this week, right? You don't know what a, a kind of what state a team is again. And as we talk about this, uh, the Patriots losing outright, you know, killing basically probably to say just about every tourist that was coming in for NFL week once parlays, whether it was on the money line or, you know, there's just so much unknowns and people tend to overreact a ton when it comes to what they see out of week one. If you put, you know, the week one in context, if you put that in week four, 
week 10, nobody would really care if a team kind of dropped a random game somewhere, especially out of conference. But because it's week one and people see an O and one, you know, people kind of tend to overreact. What do you notice that's different about week one handicapping wise than maybe the rest of the season? There's so many free agency moves and drafts moves that you have no idea who these players are. The, the average person betting is not watching the majority of preseason snaps. They're not reading in depth the seven or eight new players that were drafted on a team. They're not following free agent moves across a 53-man roster. It's not like the NBA where you follow Twitter for two weeks in July and you know what the roster is going to be for next year. This is the hardest sport to keep up with. And week one, most people are out on the beach all August. They're out. They're not you know, they're not handicapping football. So week one kind of hits them in the face. And then you settle into late September and October and you say, I have an idea what this team is. Um, I think the best advice is to just have a short memory and forget what your perceptions were going into the year about teams and just be ready to adjust based off of what you see, especially if you haven't been following much all season. Yeah, it's again, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because it's some, you know, you want to react, but you don't want to overreact. There's a chance that a team is completely different, and maybe that is shown in week one. Um, but chances are it, it's not as, you know, if a team, I mean, whatever the case may be, I mean, God forbid Cleveland goes out there and wins outright against Steelers. Their, their odds are going to be, you know, dropped. Um, and maybe the next week you can get some value. And that's kind of the thing. Value to me is a word that is maybe the most misused in this industry. Um, it really is, especially, you know, dating back to the, the thought process that, um, you know, we share that the spread is, is somewhat doesn't come into play as much. Um, there's no, uh-huh. there's no value in a losing ticket. If you don't know what to do with it, let me just, oh, I agree just, completely. Yeah. I, I, I can't, you know, I don't say I can't stand, but the value guys I think are, are kind of maybe dying out and they're just not long for this, especially if, if you're new and you're just always taking points saying, uh, there's just value here. Well, if I give you a million to one on the Browns to win the Super Bowl, but I say you can't hedge it, is there really value in that ticket? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, so it's just, it's one of those things that value is, is, you know, true value is seeing a, you know, a maybe more in the favorite market where a team should be favored by more and they're less. Um, I think that that's, you know, where a value really comes in, um, in different sports, you see value all the time, you know, in UFC, a minus 200 favorite in a showcase fight, maybe should be minus 600. Um, but people are get kind of, you know, don't want to look square. And that was the other thing I want to talk to you about is the public's kind of, they're scared to death to, for a gambler to come in, especially ones that are starting out new and they're taught number one, fade the public. Okay. Well, I can't bet the Patriots. Then I can't bet the Steelers. I can't bet the Packers. You know, I have to kind of bet all these awful teams and always take the point and all this type of stuff. Um, I, I don't get it. I never understood really why handicappers make life, especially in the NFL so hard on themselves because they're so afraid to look square. If you faded the Browns and back the Patriots on a money line parlay, every single season, you went 14 and two last year. Um, and it's just, you know, people are, are so are uh, three losses, whatever it was. And people are so afraid to, you know, oh, I, I can't do that. I'm not going to bet on Alabama and the Patriots. There was a, there was a better at the South point last year who every single year would come in and drop fifth, every single game would drop 50 K on an Alabama money line and Patriots money line parlay, um, and cleaned up and it was no, the books couldn't, you know, beat him. They couldn't set the money lines high enough. Again, you get in that multiplier at four and a half to one on the money lines. And, you know, not to say he was betting minus minus one ten, Um, but you know, again, minus 500 is 20% ROI in two, uh, you know, that's eight combined hours of two, two games. Um, do you kind of echo that sentiment that maybe people are a little bit scared to kind of look square in the NFL? Yeah, completely. The let 2016, 
the super contest w- was filled with average betters up at the top 25 because the NFL, you, you could just bet on favorites and they were cashing like crazy. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think psychologically, a lot of guys don't want to feel like, oh, I'm doing what an average $25, $30 better is doing and betting the Patriots and, and just making things easy. But sometimes the game isn't as hard as you think, despite how hard it is, um, if that makes sense. And um, I think I, I think considering something has has value – a lot of guys will use that in the context of a ticket that's more of a, a lottery type ticket that, oh, if it hits, it's really, really good odds. But the chances of it happening are, are slim to none. I, I don't like being involved in, in those type of tickets. I don't um, I, I think value, like you said, exactly. It, it, it comes from perception and what the media is saying about a team and, and what you saw on film that might be cre- causing more emotion amongst the public that you could say, okay, I think, I think people are overreacting and they're overlooking this situation for this particular week. That's where I think the NFL is so valuable. Completely. And it comes back, I'm going to say two things. It comes back to adapting the year that you're talking about where barista won the super contest, old school sharps continued to take a beating because their power numbers said one thing and they didn't and refused to adapt, adapt. The people I know, professionals, are so set in their ways and what got them to the dance maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago, um, the rules have changed a little bit. And, you know, if you totally. don't if you don't adapt, you know, professional gamers are notorious for this. They will bet nine times on the Cleveland Browns to win that tenth game and say, Look how professional and look how square I am, or yeah. look how square <laughs> I'm not while they're sitting in the hole eight games. And you know, it's it's absolutely mind blowing to me. And again, when we bring this all all the way back around to value. We're going to tie this into, uh, this will be the first game that we'll talk about because I think that people maybe are enamored with this team way more than they they should be. And we talk about value. To me, I think there's value in a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers laying only four points against Cleveland uh, at plus four when people are so enamored with Cleveland because of hard knocks. And when you really look about what's different about this team, it's Tyrod Taylor and it's Jarvis Landry and some defensive you know pieces. Um, and so is that really at the end of the day, you know, oh, Baker Mayfield too. Well, guess what? You can't start Mayfield and Taylor. So which one are you excited about? Josh Gordon's back. Josh Gordon's been back on this team, you know, has been on this team during all of these losing seasons. Um, so I'm not sure kind of what the general public is, is so high on the Cleveland Browns about aside from the hard knocks effect, which we know is very real and teams that are coming on are you know coming off of being on hard knocks have traditionally done very poorly against the spread. Um, so this will let's shine a spotlight on this game again. This is the first game of the NFL week season, uh, week one season on Sunday. We're not going to touch on the Thursday game uh, just because this will be out on Friday morning. Um, do you kind of echo my sentiments that as square as it maybe looks, that there's maybe value on a team like Pittsburgh who was laying you know seven and a half earlier is all the way down to four on mybookie.ag. I would agree slightly that that there's value because now the line did drop from six to four. Um, I am not comfortable laying points on the road with Pittsburgh just based off of their history. They've consistently over a large sample size scored low, scored less on the road. Um, I don't like that Todd Haley knows the Steelers system inside and out. So, it, so I wouldn't be comfortable with a Pittsburgh play in that regard. I do think the Browns will be better on defense because they have Miles Garrett now playing a full year. I think Jamie Collins behind him is really strong. They improved in the secondary. Um, I think their culture is a, a bit better 
than last year. And I do think they have a little bit more of a winning attitude, but I do agree with you that I think that people fall in love too much with the team from hard knocks and it causes a lot of distractions, obviously. So I may stay away from this game. And, and this was something that I, I factored in. If you see this broke, we're, we're, we're speaking on Wednesday. This isn't going to be aired until Friday, but about a half hour ago, when Lev Bell said that he wasn't reporting to practice even today, the offensive line guys were blasting him, insinuating that he's selfish and that it, it wasn't right for him to not show up. I think this could, in a way, actually motivate Pittsburgh to play and and show that they don't really need Le'Veon. I, I actually think that this may cause a better situation than if he had been there and 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 caused a little bit more uh, of a stir. Um, the Steelers' pass game is really, really good. Their offensive line is really good. So I think they, they won't have too many problems moving the ball. I'm curious to see how they do in the new offensive system. Um, and the Browns in the preseason, their run game looked good. The pass game did not look so strong. I don't think there's a lot of continuity right now with the Browns' pass game. So I wouldn't be so comfortable with, with just four points. This may just be a pass for me just because – I've balked a little bit uh, where the the Browns are right now. Completely agree, man. Let's shine a light on the primetime game, NFL Sunday Week 1. Chicago, because of, again, all of the news centered around the Chicago Bears. Chicago, you're getting uh, Khalil Mack. Chicago Bears, plus 8 in the marketplace, again, at mybookie.ag. Minus 110 both sides. Uh, What do you think about this as far as a kind of film perspective? And again, I know that the general public has such a propensity to kind of bet the primetime game, so I want to get your thought process on um, kind of where you sit as a a thought process on primetime games as a whole. Primetime games, home team usually has the advantage. The numbers back it. Home team is 30 and 20 against the spread the last three seasons on Sunday Night Football. Um, I think in this game in particular, it's a really good line. The Bears at seven and a half or eight, especially with Khalil Mack, it's a really, really good line. I wouldn't bet against the Packers in this spot no matter where the number is. I think as much as the Bears have improved, this is a tough spot for them on the road against Aaron Rodgers in his first game back from the injury. You know he's going to be fired up. He's 12-2 and two his last 14 games that he's played. The move getting Jimmy Graham is going to be huge. He's got a, a healthy offensive line. The defense should be better under Mike Pettin. If Mitch Trubisky has to get into a shootout with Aaron Rodgers, that's not necessarily a good thing. New head coach, road prime time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I would lean the Packers. I wouldn't lay the seven and a half. I would more likely put it in a teaser. I, I think a lot of people have fallen in love with the seven and a half points now, especially Khalil Mack. Do you think that the Bears are going to go into Lambeau and win in prime time? I wouldn't bet on that. It's 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 Green Bay or pass. Completely, completely agree. Um, I want to give you the floor here and kind of pick out a game. I know that we're going to, um, we talked off here about what, what our consensus best bet will be to um, give out. So pick a different game other than that one. Um, but one that kind of highlights, again, what the film has shown you as a film handicapper um, in some a game that you're looking at investing in on this uh, NFL Week 1 Sunday slate. Besides that, uh, the game that we're going to give out for a consensus play. Yeah, I think one where the, the film shows mismatches, the Chargers and Chiefs. The Chargers could definitely take advantage of the Chiefs' weakness. The Chiefs are weak right now in the secondary. Eric Berry has come back from 
big injury. His heel's been hurt most of this preseason. Their their secondary's been getting shredded in the offseason. And the Chargers with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin could win their matchups almost every single week. Um, I think the other part of the handicap, though, it's tough because the Chiefs have been so good against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. They're 8-0 straight up against in the last eight times. Um, but this is a different Chiefs team. They don't have Pat Mahomes. They, uh, excuse me. They don't have Alex Smith. They lost a lot of players on the defensive side. So that's one where the line, if, if the Chargers were priced how they usually were a year ago or two years ago versus the Chiefs, it'd probably be a really good game to play. But I'm not in love with it at minus three. Uh, it, it, it's a pretty good money line play. It's it, actually at three and a half right now, minus 105 on my bookie. Yeah, and, and, and it, so. just keeps mov- it just keeps moving away. If that line was maybe at... At one and a half or two, I, 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 would, I would like it. it I want to stop you because I want to ask you because we're, we're falling into this trap again of how we just said the spread doesn't matter, but now we're going to pick apart uh, the two and a half to three. And I want, I, well, I'm a not key saying, number. yeah, yeah, I'm naked. That's what I want you to talk about. I want, I want you to, t- to kind of, um, because I don't want people to get confused and we're saying that you never need to take the, the point spread into account. And I want, just want you to kind of give out the thought process for breaking that around the key number. Yeah, fair. Um, I, I think. I think in this case you make an exception because if you know going to minus three and a half in the division where these teams know each other so well, I do put more weight on on the spread within the division. I think within the division the the, the games tend to be a little bit closer at times. Um, you know, a spread moving down, let's say from nine to seven and a half isn't it isn't as much isn't as big of a difference that, that you're not crossing a key number yep um so that doesn't that's what i was talking much. about when i was saying you know when in the division when it's pittsburgh and and Cle- in um baltimore and again this is another one in kansas city and chiefs and i think that you can kind of pinpoint the games that spreads are most likely to matter and i think that this yep. one at three and a half again is a is a great jumping off point um for uh, the reason why you said that. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted you to kind of explain no, that and again. I, I completely agree with you from a teaser perspective, or I'm sorry, not a teaser, a money line play at minus 185. And again, people are going to look at that and say, oh my God, the juice. And to me, it's just, it's for peace of mind, even though we're saying that the spread doesn't matter. Um, I, I think that peace of mind is, is hard to buy, and especially in the NFL, um, but that is one way to do it. And again, when we touch on teasers, you touched. You talked about uh, Green Bay in a teaser down to minus two. I want to get your thought process on a rule that's maybe outdated, uh, and your thought process on teasing through the zero. Because people will always say, "Oh, I, I don't tease through the zero. I'm not going to do that." Getting uh, the Chargers at minus three to plus three. Um, what do you do? You subscribe to that theory? And yes or no, and why? I think there are certain games where you can make an exception and cross the zero. I think last year, if if in the last two years I've played twenty teasers. I've crossed a zero probably three of those 20 times and I will do it more in a lower scoring game that I think has a history of, of having a um, lower margin of, of defeat. Um, I think getting, let's say a a two point favorite or one and a half point favorite to plus four and a half in a low scoring divisional type game. I think that's huge. Um, Teasers in games where it's, likely to be a shootout i don't like to play because then the six points doesn't matter as much in in a 55 60 point game as it would in the 38 or a 41 point game completely um 
definitely, definitely take into account what you think the total is going to finish at if you're thinking of teasers. Completely agree. That is that is some of the smartest analysis when it comes to teasers I've, I've seen out there. Um, I'm going to give you the floor for one more game and pick any game on the board that you want. Again, that kind of applies to your handicapping style, and then we'll get out with our uh, consensus best bet for NFL Week 1. Yeah, well, sticking to where the spread may not matter, the Ravens opened up at three and a half back in May versus the Bills, and now they're all the way up to seven. I was all over the Ravens from July. I think we even talked about We were talking about this out in Vegas with, with Will Brunson, and we were saying the, the Ravens just got so much better on offense. They got a fire lit underneath them because they missed the playoffs the last three years. They got all defensive starters returning. I don't know if the spread's going to matter in this game. If the Ravens show up and bring their A game, they could beat the Bills by 20 points. The Love Bills that. the Bills were down 20 to nothing at halftime in the dress rehearsal game versus the Bengals. The Bengals had five sacks against them, were destroying them. And to me, this is where if you stick to old school ways like you were talking about, you say, I don't want to play a game where the line moved three points and, and I lost value completely. I I just said that about the Chargers and Chiefs because that's a division game. This is a really good defense going up against a terrible quarterback <laughs> with a bad offensive line out of division in a situation where the Ravens probably want to kick a team's ass after the way they finished week 17 last year and, and got knocked out of the playoffs. So I think the only way the Ravens don't cover this number is if they look ahead to week two, that Thursday night game versus Cincinnati. But I think they will be prepared for it because week one is easier to prepare for than any other week where you have to play a Thursday night game on deck. If the Ravens win this game and bring even their B-plus game, I think they cover the number. I love that. And again, I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be probably the most heavily public bet. It will probably be a super contest top five. And everything is probably going to say that you need to play contrarian and go the other way. And again, Nate Peterman is kind of the equalizer. When I, my argument to that, he is he is next level. Uh, that is for sure. Um, I love that, man. I, I, I absolutely love this analysis. Again, um, I know I brought up the spread not mattering thing to you as, as kind of a talking point. And again, I don't want people to kind of think that that's our, our golden, you know, end all be all in the NFL. And that's how we both handicap. It's just, again, that's one more tool to kind of look at in a thought process um, for your tool belt. And again, I, I know you, you know, maybe haven't even kind of, I know you said you looked at this kind of, you know, spreads not mattering, you know, seven plus points either way. Um, again, it's just, it's one thought process and more than one way to skin a cat, but let's, uh, let's do this. Let's get out of here with our consensus best bet. We talked off air, um, two games that both of myself and spread investor are invested alongside you with this weekend. Uh, the floor is yours on the let's rotation number four, five, seven Cincinnati Bengals plus three. And I even sprinkled some of that plus plus one thirty money line against the Indianapolis Colts. The floor is yours on yeah. why you are on this game. I like this one. It, there's a, mismatches on both sides of the ball. I think the Bengals have a couple of different ways they could win this game. Their front seven is as strong as it's been, arguably, under Marvin Lewis. And I know a lot of people aren't high on the Bengals and Marvin Lewis. Neither am I. And I know they don't have Vontes perfect. But everything that Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, and the players on that team are saying is that this is the strongest front seven they've had. They added Preston Brown at middle linebacker who led the league in tackles last year with the Bills. So he's going to be plugging in for Vontez Perfect right now. They're secondary strong. The thing with the Colts is they're weak at, at both tackles, and they're going to 
see a lot of pressure. Luck's going to be under a lot of duress. Marlon Mack may not play this game. Outside of T.Y. Hilton, the wide receiver depth chart terrible. I think they could really swarm T.Y. Hilton and limit him. And Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron are, are the only other real weapons now that Marlon Mack isn't going to play. Um, on the other side of the ball, the, the Colts, local reporters are saying this team isn't two or three players away from being a complete roster. They're about a dozen players away from being a complete roster. So I think the Bengals with, with Tyler Eifert healthy now, John Ross back, they upgraded with Billy Price at center in the draft in the first round. They get Cordy Glenn at left tackle. So I think their main problem was the offensive line. They've, they've improved that. This is a good spot against a rookie head coach with luck in his first game back in two years. The the Colts will be competitive simply because of luck later down on the road. I just think in this game to ask the Colts to lay points to almost any team in the NFL right now is a bit, uh, a, a bit of a reach. I think the Bengals can win this game outright. I think they will win it outright. And I'll, I'll take the three points as, as generosity. I completely echo those sentiments, man. And to me, this comes down to Andy Dalton and Andy Dalton has going up against probably one of the worst secondaries in uh, the NFL. And when you talk about, you know, fantasy guys and all this and streaming quarterbacks to me, Andy Dalton is your guy this week. I mean, again, I don't love playing a, you know, in theory, when you look at this as a a road underdog, um, I don't think it, you know, the numbers and and what, you know, generally you do, I don't think that it looks appealing, but again, you're forgetting Indianapolis is a dome. So you're going to get a a road quarterback, but at least he's in a dome. And it's not as if Indianapolis has this amazing home field advantage uh, in this loud dome. It's not the case at all, uh, especially not anymore. You know, maybe they will be a little bit jacked up for, for, Andrew Luck's return, uh, but they don't have this overwhelming home field advantage. Um, and to me, I think the wrong team is still favored. This probably should be a pick. Um, so I'll take the plus 130. And again, the plus three points, as you said, um, as generosity uh, as well. Uh, I think that Andy Dalton has a, a huge game. And again, uh, I'm on the Andrew Luck train. I believe that, you know, his kind of, I know that you said you were down, you looked at that under. To me, Andrew Luck has never finished. You know, he's had a, a roster that was worse, if not just as bad as this one. He He's probably, you know, much like Russell Wilson on another team that I know you're down on in Seattle. And um, to me, there's certain players, especially at the quarterback position that can kind of carry a team, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson, and Andrew Luck. To me, at week one, this is just not a great spot for Indianapolis laying points at home. So I am completely lockstep with you, man. We will release this as our consensus best bet. Again, this will be out on Friday morning for you all. Uh, So... Uh, throughout the NFL season, again, with a uh, different handicapper on, we'll be doing a different consensus best bet, basically based on different handicapping styles. So for this one, um, the film, um, and again, on my side as well. So Cincinnati plus three, uh, minus 120 at, um, I'm sorry, minus 110 at mybookie.ag is our consensus best bet. Um, we did it, man. NFL week one is here. I want to give you the floor to, again, kind of plug anything and everything you have going on on the space. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to kind of break down NFL week one with me, man. Yeah, this is great, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, my main platform is Twitter, as it is for most handicappers. So I'm always tweeting out stats, trends that are relevant to the point spread. I try to keep it as straight to the point and keep it mainly betting content and not get into too much content commentary that'll that'll be spammy. Just if you hop onto my Twitter handle on any Saturday or Sunday, you'll see a bunch of nuggets for every week and I'll, I'll give good writing analysis. I'm going to be featuring other handicappers soon and, and putting their articles and picks on the site as well. So we could have more good networking like you and I are doing right now, Christian and 
um, feature other handicappers for different sports. So I want to, you know, I want to get you on for UFC. I'm getting on other college football handicappers, go right into MLB playoffs. And um, I keep the majority of my information for free and I sell some picks, only top plays. But uh, the goal is always to give out enough free winners and, and get you to, to pay only with house money. So um, just starting off strong for week one and hopefully we get rolling with this Bengals win. Absolutely, bro. I love it. Again, so much good stuff that you're putting out in the space. I can't say that enough, man. So it was a pleasure. I mean, you out in Vegas at the Odd Shark 10th anniversary party. And again, we'll do it. We'll do it again soon. I'm sure, man. But good luck on the NFL week one. And again, uh, throughout the NFL season, bro. Can't thank you enough. Yeah, we'll same, man. Thanks again for having me on. That will do it for NFL Week 1 Talk with Spread Investor. Again, guys, one of the best in-depth betting guides out there available for $20 at SpreadInvestor.com. And give them a follow on Twitter at Spread Investor. Let's welcome on AG to talk all things, the biggest decisions for the house in college football Week 1, where the professionals are weighing in for NFL Week 1, as well as liability. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, the one and only AG of MyBookie.ag, wears multiple hats over there, most notably head odds maker and head risk manager. Uh, let's break it into it. Uh, before we do that, how is everything in, in the sunny offshore world, my friend? And how was the week for you in the week that was with college football week one? Well, you know, it hasn't rained here in Costa Rica in about 10 days. So I guess that's a, a big win regardless of what industry you're in down here. You're in the Vegas, <laughs> the Vegas uh, weather zone down there. Exactly, exactly. A lot like Vegas, except we give better odds and better payouts. <laughs> <laughs> so the week, uh, the week was good. Uh, we were having a great day on Saturday. Uh, we're holding about 20% up until around 9 p.m. Eastern time. And then the sadness really hit in. Uh, Alabama covered uh, that hit a bunch of parlays. And our hold percentage dropped from, say, 20 to about 6, uh, which is very disappointing uh, for most people, or, well, for me. Uh, but for other books, 6% is still a great win. So I guess I shouldn't complain, but I will. I, I mean, I want all the money. I, about, <laughs> about 9 p.m. on Saturday, I was looking for the best waxes for my Lamborghini. And uh, let's just say I'm spit polishing her this week. <laughs> oh, man, you poor, poor thing. I don't know. I, there's going to be a lot of people shedding tears for the books held being, being only at 6% instead of 20%. I can tell you that. But let's break this down off basically into the three biggest decisions for the book. And no surprise, as we were talking off air, it was the three standalone games. Uh, so let's just break this down for the three biggest decisions for the house uh, in NCAA college football week one. And what were they and uh, the decision either good or bad for the house? So Notre Dame uh, versus Michigan, Notre Dame at plus two and a half. Uh, everyone was on Michigan, as they always are. Uh, and of course, the Fighting Irish came through, and that was a big win. That probably pushed us up to the 20% on Saturday. And then when Alabama came through and they covered the minus 23 and a half, that pushed us down to 6%. Uh, so, of course, I gave my team a stern talking. Uh, you know, we want double digits. Uh, they came through on Sunday. Uh, LSU plus three versus Miami was a massive win for us. Uh, we got well into the double digits there. And then we followed it up by Virginia Tech plus seven, another massive win for us. So uh, keep keep betting favorites, gamblers. <laughs> chalk, chalk kills, man. And people still doesn't realize that. But yet it only takes, you know, gamblers for the most part will always remember the losses. But then again, Alabama comes through with a first half and full game, basically no sweat cover. And again, favorite and over there in that game as well is something of a, a three-way loss for you there. Um, 
again, we've talked about this together that you have to, you know, it's built into the line to when you want to play in Alabama or anything like that. And I mean, at some point, I mean, Nick Saban's still about, I mean, I think he's about 65% covering spreads throughout his tenure at Alabama. I mean, at some point you can't just can't make the number big enough, right? That's right. And our college football guy was telling me that I can't off the top of my head, Saban in week one opening games versus the spread was something ludicrous, like 16 and one. Uh, so there's a trend uh, to mark down for next year. <laughs> <laughs> now that now that you know about it, though, I don't, I don't know how profitable it will be. Add a couple more points in there, I guess, but it doesn't matter. I mean, again, the defense is, is one of the most inexperienced in the country, and when you have five-star recruits like that, it just doesn't matter. Uh, so let's talk about the last. Again, so uh, big decisions for the house, as AG just said. Notre Dame was a winner for the house, as well as LSU plus three at Miami. Um, and then so what was the final one uh, in prime time? Virginia Tech versus Florida. Yeah, Virginia Tech. That that was a huge win to either close out the week or start the week, depending on how you look at it. Uh, for us, Monday is the start of the week, so it was a, a great way to begin things. Uh, I advise all gamblers not not to look at the times you bet on the favorites and they lost, but to look at the times you bet on the favorites and they won. You just you just want to focus on only those. Exactly, man. Um, so again, uh, pretty sounds like it was a good week for the house despite Alabama covering. And so it looks like that, that Lamborghini is not going to get repossessed anytime soon. I'm so happy for you, my friends. I'm sure every gambler out there listening to is to this show is right now. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I want to talk about a, a prop that you guys, not even a prop, basically a Twitter giveaway uh, that gave you guys essentially the sweat of, of your week and, and maybe possibly would have affected your month. No, just kidding. Not the month. But the sweat of the week as you guys ran a special promo f- to see if Appalachian State could recreate history, I believe, 10 years to the day of them shocking Michigan in the big house. So talk to me about the promo and the sweat that was Appalachian State versus Penn State. So, yeah, yeah, that promo... Uh... <laughs> You know, we were sitting here uh, at the office running the lines and then pops up on, on our Twitter feed that we're giving away $1,000 if Appalachian State beats Penn State. Uh, unbeknownst to anyone, one of our social media guys had gone rogue and decided to do a little bit of a giveaway. Uh, so we pulled it up onto TV and we saw that we had a nice 14-point cushion and we were feeling pretty good. We got back to ignoring it and then turned it back on with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And, oh, good Lord. Uh, what's going on here. So it's kind of funny with all the money we have bet on the games. Uh, the only game that was on the TV was Appalachian State and Penn State as we cheered against giving away a thousand dollars. Yeah, chump change, as they say. But to me, you know, to give away free money is uh, it just hurts. It hurts so much. And I knew that all the gamblers, I could see people that followed me on Twitter saying, oh, hey, Gia, if this hits, can you can you slip it into my account? So the greasy action was all over the board. So I told our content guy, you, you have to pick the account if this happens. <laughs> luckily, it didn't. Uh, I cheered louder than any other game for that one uh, when Penn State scored in overtime. And the uh, I believe it was an interception that ended it. Uh, yeah, it was a, a lot of cheering going on for saving a thousand dollars. Yeah, and but at the end of the day, the publicity probably worth the squeeze uh, for for doing that. And again, this is why I've always hung my hat on um, my book, AG, kind of being the leader in. I don't say the silly props, but doing things to kind of uh, entice gamblers to come to the shop, which I think uh, is just absolutely amazing in the space. And and to have that freedom and stuff. Does the social media person who put that out there still have a job? Is my question. I mean, but my favorite part of the whole thing was me texting uh, said social media person saying, if this hits, I'm giving you the thousand dollars as a as a parting gift on your way out the door. <laughs> I said, so make sure you retweet it. <laughs> 
awesome. but no, he's uh, he's still employed because it turned out to be a, a great uh, PR boost for us. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he dodged that one. <laughs> well, again, as you said, the PR boost. Um, you guys, I wanted to touch on. Is there anything else? Kind of, will that be a running theme all season in some type of way? I know you guys have also just partnered uh, in some various different type of ways with Pat McAfee and the Pat McAfee Show. Um, any different? I know you guys have a bunch of essentially prop bets coming up with what um, Pat McAfee will be doing. Essentially, a three-point contest. Uh, there's a couple other events in there. Um, is MyBookie.ag going to continuously kind of roll these out in some way, in some form, throughout the NCAA football season as well as the NFL season? Well, as mybookie.ag is now the primary sponsor of the Pat McAfee Show version 2.0, uh, we will be putting out props every week. Uh, Pat's going to be doing challenges weekly, whether it's shooting three-pointers. Uh, we're trying to convince him to put on a diaper and fight a sumo wrestler to, to test out his pad level. Uh, so we'll have a lot going on. Uh, we have a little promotion running hand-in-hand -hand with Pat right now. Uh, where we're going to give away a free play to one account equal to the amount of Twitter followers that we've increased since Pat came on board. So right now, uh, the pot is at $2,200. Uh, it cuts off Thursday before the game starts. So if you want to jump over to bet my bookie on Twitter and retweet it, and follow us so you can get your name in the pot to get that $4,000 free play. Well, let me tell you, man, you and Pat McAfee are a a match made in gambling degeneracy heaven. So I think that will be a great partnership. Um, congratulations on, on again, working with Pat um, in, in the Pat McAfee show. Barstool's loss is definitely mybookie.ag's gain. Um, as well as mybookie.ag being the official online sportsbook and sponsor of the Sports Gambling Podcast. So let's get into what the people want to know, my man, and that is everything about the NFL. But before we do that, let's look at, take a look at NCAA Week 2. Is there anything of note, either square professional um, match or uh, bets that have come in um, on the professional side uh, to get everyone primed for NCAA Football Week 2? So have you heard of the poker group? I have the pokers. There is, if you're not familiar with this, there is a group. So the, there is a real pokers group, right? And then there is an account on Twitter that is called the pokers that essentially charges for plays. Have you seen that version of the pokers? I, I have seen it. Uh, and I know both versions. So what we have playing with us is one of the members of the poker group who we've sniffed out. So I think it's only fair. I will undercut pokers on Twitter and I will, let people know what the poker group is betting as long as they keep betting with me. So if they're listening right now, your plays are going to be told to the entire world via the sports gambling podcast. That is absolutely amazing. Hit me where hit our listeners with it. So, you know, AG man of the people, my bookie, the people's sports book, the first play of the poker group. They're on TCU versus SMU under 59. They're following that up with Kentucky plus 14. Oklahoma State minus 32 and Washington State minus 33 and a half. So I highly suggest everyone goes and jumps on those lines because they are sharp action. Uh, the guy does win consistently with us. We keep him around because, uh, well, you know, good info is hard to come by. Exactly. So it's a business relationship. Well, and, uh, at least on our part, it is. Uh, he has no idea that we're doing this, but those are his plays. Uh, feel free to bet them. Uh, probably parlay them. I would parlay them. That seems like a good parlay to make. Nice 14 parlay. That sounds absolutely amazing to me. Yeah, so that's that's what they're on now. Uh, if they bet anything more over the rest of the week, you can come onto my Twitter, Anonymous Gambler, and I will tell you exactly what they're playing. I love it. So let's dig, dig into 
the NFL, NFL week one. So let's talk all things. What will be the biggest uh, decisions for the book um, and any liability as well as anything professional coming in for the opening weekend and week of the NFL? So the action is a little bit low right now. Uh, it's almost like people don't realize that the NFL season has started. They're far more interested in Colin Kaepernick and what color Nikes he's going to wear. <laughs> the talk about the NFL, it's, it's been slim, surprisingly low, actually. Uh, we do expect it to pick up considerably on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Of course, maybe the early action is a bit low because we want all their money this weekend on college football, so I guess I shouldn't complain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the propensity for casual bettors to not care about taking the worst of the line, to hold on to their money until they pry it out of their cold hands uh, on a Sunday morning is something I will never understand. But again, uh, if they want to bet on baseball throughout the week, I would assume that's probably uh, the reason for the recreational uh, weight is they just they don't want to part with their money until they absolutely have to. And they're willing to take a worse line uh, to do that. Um, anything of note that has come in from the professionals kind of tipping their hand one way or another? Well, we can start with the opening game, uh, Eagles-Falcons. Uh, they've ignored the spread. The professionals are coming in on the money line at plus 110. I like it. And as, <clears throat> as I talked about on the last episode of Inside Vegas, I'm curious to get your take on this, if this is something that you've known or have at least seen. I have this theory, and I've back-tested it for the last three years. Um, I read up an article on oddshark.com uh, talking about this. Uh, basically, I feel that the spread is dying in the NFL. And what I mean by that is I've back-tested this about, three, about four years. So 85% of the time, the favorite, if a favorite wins, they cover. 82% of the time, if an underdog covers, they win outright. So what that tells you is about 1.5 to two times a week, two games, the spread will matter. Um, so I think that it is absolutely kind of awesome to see that professionals are, are kind of taking that um, and seeing that due to the increased payouts um, of the money line. Is that something that you've noticed at all, um, either in your own handicapping gambling or anything? Is there more of a propensity towards uh, money lines on the underdogs uh, coming in this season? I mean, awesome is a bit of a strange word to use. I call it more devastating, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of times it just makes more sense mathematically to play the money line than it does the spread. So you sort of need to work out what each half point is worth and then figure out if the money line is actually better value than the spread. And I think people are getting a bit sharper at being able to do that. Uh, heaven forbid, but they are. Uh, we won't go into the math on how to pull that off, but you know, maybe if you search through the uh, deep annals of the internet, you can find out how to do it. So there, there's a lot of cases nowadays, especially with how books are shading the spread that the money line is the smart play. Yeah. And it makes a ton of sense. It really does. Um, the thing, um, you know, it's something that I noticed because I used to, I would always play a, a degenerate teaser to a week and I was noticing that the teasers weren't really needed and I was giving up a lot of money instead of, you know, just putting a degenerate parlay in instead of a teaser. Um, and then it's just something to, to kind of keep in mind. Um, I think that if you want to kind of dig into this um, a little bit more, I think that the Alabama and Clemson game from a money line perspective is a great place to start as it was a very unique money line um, based on different liabilities at different shops um, for the national championship game. Uh, the money line was very skewed in that and it was a very short money line um, while the spread remained about minus 110. Uh, so let's go dig and start in with the NFL week one weekend on Sunday. Is anything for professionals tipping their hand uh, there yet or is it nothing really uh, come in of note? They're starting to come in on the Vikings at minus six and the Panthers at minus three. The action is still a bit low, but those are the ones that are our wise guys are tending to favor. I like it. Little love for, for Kirk Cousins and, and uh, Cam Newton out there. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, NFL is here, man. I'm sure your liability will absolutely pick up. And, and again, cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule to give people a look on the other side of the counter. I want to open up the floor up to you. Either a best bet, any plug that you want to make um, for yourself at mybookie.ag, any promos, anything at all, the floor is yours, my friend. Well, I think last week I recommended that everyone bet the entire board. <laughs> that was your so that was your tip of the week for week for college week one. I, Maybe I'll clear that up a bit and say that you should bet the entire board favorites and overs and parlay them as much as possible. Now, I find a 10-team parlay is the best way to go. Huge payouts. Huge payouts. Uh, you get your Lambo in one, one fell swoop on a Sunday. I love it, my friend. As always, please enter promo code SGP100 for 100% deposit bonus for new customers. And if you need a reload, if AG took all your money in NCAA week one, Promo code which I did, which I did. SGP reload for a 50% reload bonus. Amazing, man. Can't thank you enough. And we will talk about how the house did. Hopefully it's not a three and sweep again for you for I'll give the gamblers something for NFL week one. You got to give a little, take a little over the stretch of a 17 week season. So hopefully gamblers have a better time against you on uh, college or football uh, NFL week one than they did NCAA. Um, but as always, my friend, thanks for taking the time. Pleasure as always. Yeah, and I wish uh, all the gamblers out there the best of luck because, well, you need it. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.